tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink. Good morning, Swarm! Guys, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know who I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Oh, that, you know that name. You know that voice. You know that voice. You know that name. He is the co host of the Hit News Show. We don't smoke the same. Xavier Guerrero. What's up? Looking here. The hair's looking oh, good. You got a pinch of gray, meaning you've done something with your life. <laughs> I'm getting old. He's known as the heartthrob of tinfoil hat, apparently. <laughs> apparently, I'm old dad garbage. My man, Xavier Guerrero, out there fucking taking care of the ladies. Uh, where can they find uh, your new podcast? Uh, on any uh, podcast app, YouTube. Uh, it's just me, E-Zone, and Cairo, and we just we just don't smoke the same. We just yeah. get high. So one of you guys smokes a little... Then, then one of you goes hard in the paint. Yeah, and then uh, honestly, if you go, if you watch it live on YouTube, you can actually donate for me to smoke more. Smoke more. Yeah, they're like, here's five bucks. Smoke more. If you donate enough, <laughs> if you donate more than five dollars, Xavier Guerrero will smoke crack. Joining us on the ones and twos, uh, he got hit new show that everybody's talking about. The latest episode was voted top four hundred episode of all time. Of uh, uh, in podcasting, we made it's, it back in the top 200 of comedy. Are we back in the United States? Whoa, we? yeah, we were for, for that last episode. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations, executive <laughs> producer. Johnny. I'm his co host, apparently, <laughs> uh, on the new hit show, Broke Simulation. Johnny Woodard, how are you, Johnny? I'm okay. It's youtube.com slash Sam Triple Comedy to watch the video. Uh, check subscribe there too. Um, and let us know if you don't get the alerts. Johnny, how long have you, you and I people... been friends? Um, about three, four years now. And I still like haven't that. met your girlfriend. Anyway, Well, I've only been dating her a year, so that the uh, the length of time we've been a friend doesn't make any so sense. So, Johnny, some person you went to kindergarten class has met her already, and then you ha- haven't let your boy here? The your guy that pays boy? the bills? Yeah. Well, she ain't, dude, she doesn't want to. You had coronavirus. She doesn't want to. Oh, like, she doesn't want to meet me because I'm a victim. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, you can check out our Patreon if you want to get the next episode early. It's a lot of great Patreon.com slash Broken Simulation. Guys, if you're in North Carolina, Johnny's going to be out there. He can hang out with him That's and true, his aunt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your aunt's name one more time? Lisa. Lo- Lisa. Aunt, aunt Lisa. Lisa. We love you. Thank you so much for what I'm trying to help your son, your nephew. Uh, you know, we're going to. still, she, she told my mom the other day to keep the faith about Donald Trump uh, pulling it out. So, Well, she would be right. Okay. Get the 250 warmed up, Johnny, okay? <laughs> oh, it, get it, the money. It went up? Yeah, it went up. It was 100 we, oh, last I, time we I tried to get him to go to 500 and he yeah. went to 250. That's how how much faith he had. He oh, I do have a lot of faith, brother. I have a lot of faith. They're going to release the Kraken on that ass, all right? Guys, if you want to see me live right now as of this moment, as of this moment, 
I'm going to be in St. Louis, December 3rd through the 5th. I'm going to be at a club called Helium's. I love them, okay? And I'm bringing my good friend Howie Dewey. Yes, that's his real name, and he's a good friend of mine. And we're going to be gigging out there. So come join us, St. Louis. Holla at your boy. I shall be out there. I'll be bringing some of those magic T-shirts. My Lombard show, obviously, this week got canceled. Not my call, guys. I'm just, I just tell jokes. I don't make the decisions. Got called. We're moving it back to uh, March, so I hope to see you guys then, and hopefully we'll be back to freedom by then, okay? A lot of T-shirts. A lot. So, so the show, you know, we put out some great T-shirts, and I don't know if you saw this, Johnny, but... Suddenly, uh, Rage Against Machine is doing a working with the Joe Biden team that thinks they won. They didn't, but thinks they won. So Rage Against Machine is now working with the guy who's been in office for 47 years. So just like our T-shirt that you can purchase at tinfoilattshirts.com, it's a nice Rage on Behalf of the Machine T-shirt. It's a great way to support the show. We got uh, Rage on Behalf of the Machine, Fuck Your Blue check mark. Why Such a Sheep, Swarm Shirts, you name it. They're all there. It's a great way to support the show. Also, we have a great show. Uh, we have a place where you go get mugs. Go to tinfoilhatswag.com. Look at all that. Swarm up. Swarm up. So you can get the hats, socks, uh, cock rings. They're all there, dude. You can get those. <laughs> you, do it for, you do it for you, and that's what it's up. all about. Guys, soon. Gotta, condoms coming soon. What? Tinfoil condoms. Are you? Yeah. Oh, dude, that'd be the best. <laughs> I have a question, guys. Uh, do you guys ever want to rob a plane? You ever thought about that? Every you day. thought about every, that? Every day. So we have a gentleman coming on right now. Uh, his name is... What is his name real quick? Yeah, his name is Darren Schaefer, and uh, he has a whole podcast on D.B. Cooper, and we just spent a wonderful time discussing it. If you want to hear about D.B. Cooper, you get D.B. Cooper. Please enjoy the show. All right, let's get into this. Yes, I'm very, very excited about this uh, episode. Okay, uh, we, get, we get asked a lot to do a, a, a do a wide range of uh, uh, episode or issues we haven't talked about episodes topics right uh, and this is by far with a bullet the number one topic that people ask us to do an episode on and I'm very excited about it and I am very excited that our guests can stop in if there's anybody who can talk about this topic and the topic is DB Cooper okay. D.B. Cooper. And the reason I'm really excited about talking about D.B. Cooper besides that, well, let me bring him in real quick. Uh, he has a podcast called The Cooper Vortex. Please welcome Darren Schaefer. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about D.B. Cooper because this is going to be somewhat a part of what Tim Fallhat is now trying to do. We are trying to move into mysteries. Uh, you know, you talk geopolitics forever, but I just feel like if you're always in that or you're always talking Pizzagate, you're always talking all that stuff. And I don't know if you're in any of that, but on this show, we've talked about that a lot. I just feel like it could like start to eat your soul for a little while because you're like, I see this going on. I can't do <laughs> mysteries are just fun to talk about. And we did one with uh, with uh, the Dawson brothers about Johnny's hometown, right? That island. Johnny's half Native American, right? <laughs> and um, and now we're going to get into this. So we're going to be start doing a lot more mysteries on this show. Obviously, we'll always stick to what you guys love, which is lizard people and all that <laughs> stuff. But uh, this is very exciting. Now, uh, 
Darren, you have an entire podcast dedicated to D.B. Cooper. Tell me about that's so interesting that you could stay on one subject. Now, is this an episode? Is this a show that comes out every week and you have another one, or is as you learn stuff, you kind of do another episode? It's more as an episode becomes available. I have a full time job and a family. I work for the man. So this is just uh, something I was passionate about. I work completely by myself. So I listen to 40 to 60 hours a week of talk radio and podcasts. I grew up in Woodland, Washington, and D.B. Cooper is just a local story there. So I started searching for podcasts about D.B. Cooper, and there's a bunch of them, uh, a bunch of true crime shows and other things like that, conspiracy theory shows that have done an episode on it. But I was just already so entrenched in it and knew so much about the story that it wasn't enough for me, those shows. I wanted to listen to a podcast that was just about D.B. Cooper that would talk to the people who wrote these books, the people who had these theories, the people who are on these forums all day talking about this case. And so I was like, well, if I want to listen to this podcast, I better just create it myself. So I did. That's how everything should be. If you want something done, you got to do it for yourself. And I love that, man. I love that. So where do you want to start, dude? I mean, I got questions, but I kind of just want to... Now, I, do you know about any? Have you ever heard about DB Cooper? Yeah, yeah I was in, I was in about to ask him if we can get a little story about it. But yeah, I, I know what it is. It's the guy that disappeared. Yeah, the, I love that the guy who disappeared, Johnny DB <laughs> Cooper. Was he big in your life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of reading about that topic. I find it interesting just because the mystery of it. You know, you know, I, I and, don't, and, and also the fi- the fact that people just keep finding little possible remnants of the event. That the, kind of thing. we kind. I don't know if we said it on air, but we uh, before I was talking about how like. I root for robbers. <laughs> I root for robbers. What does that mean? Now, I don't want somebody to go to your house, steal from you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about bank robbers, okay? Anybody could jack giant corporations that's been fucking everybody over. Like, that's a, as long as nobody gets killed or anybody gets hurt, they can get in, get out. Yeah. Anybody who takes go, anything from go. Wells Fargo who for years just stole money from people. Yeah, I'm, I support that. And isn't that funny that that guy was, like, fighting for his bonus? It's, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, those guys should have all all been locked up. Everybody in I'll management. Fight some all some hacks are good, too, though. Some hacks are good. No, I, dude, I don't hate hacks. I don't want to get... Dude, you're going to have hacks hacking us, but I don't, want, I don't hate hacks. I like hacks. But just don't hack my shit. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just don't hack my shit. Um, where do you want to start, man? Where do you want to start? Where should we start? Why don't we just start at the beginning? I can give you a Cliff Notes version for anyone who doesn't know the story. Um, November 24th, 1971, the day before Thanksgiving, a middle-aged dude walked into the Portland International Airport. He purchases a one-way ticket from Portland to Seattle. The cost of the ticket with tax is $20. He pays with cash. The ticket agent asks for his name. This is all the ID you need to get on a plane in 1971. And he responds, my name is Dan Cooper. The ticket agent writes Dan Cooper on the ticket. They board the plane. This gentleman sits in the back of the plane. Right before takeoff, he hands the stewardess a note. She slips it in her pocket, assuming it's just another old businessman trying to hit on her, and doesn't read it. 
Uh, he notices this a few minutes later and is like, excuse me, miss, you might want to have a look at that note. I have a bomb. <laughs> that is so funny. Fuck that bitch. That's you know what, so the, funny, The dude. best part to me is that you used to be able to just get on the plane and give them your name. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Bill uh, Dawson here. Let me on now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's no, how you used to be, name, dude. Just Dan. Yeah, just, just dude, you used to go. You used to be able to go to the airport, and your grandma would be waiting for you to get off the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right at the gate. Yeah. Right at the gate. You used to be able to give someone your ticket. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go no more. You want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now you have to register and... Well, you know, today, you know, when I flew, and we'll get right back to this, but I, when I flew back from Philly, uh, there I was going through the thing. They're like, oh, you don't have to take out anything of your backpack. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. I'm like, what about my backpack? Don't take anything out of your backpack. I go, are you ordering me not to take anything out of my backpack? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you're saying I don't have to take out my computer. He's like, yeah. I go, sorry I got weird on you. I did not expect yeah. that at all. I had it one time to me, too. Yeah. And then there's it's like this airport you don't have to take out your computer. This airport you better take your shoes off or you don't have to take your shoes off. Yeah. And they'll yell at you either way. <laughs> like I've had them, "No, leave your shoes on. Leave them on." <laughs> yeah, they get so angry. So he goes, he purchases ticket, he gets on, he sits in the back, right? And uh, I wonder what kind do we know what kind of plane these are that he did this on? It's a Boeing 727. I bet you they're the ones that Frontier are using right now. I bet you you can ride the, the plane that DB Cooper jumped <laughs> off of because Frontier, <laughs> Frontier. Have you flown Frontier? Hey, that's a fifty-year-old. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's a fifty-year-old airplane. Yeah, dude, I would not doubt it, dude. <laughs> so DB Cooper gets on. I could I imagine if you wanted to rob a place and they just weren't paying attention. They just gave you zero uh, uh, any kind any kind of energy to you. Like, read the note. <laughs> You're like, listen, sir, I've, I've been past dick pics before. I really don't want to look at it at all. And okay. And then boom. She So he goes, you might want to look. I have a bomb. That's just crazy. Hold on. Let me get my glasses. <laughs> no, no. Now, he was sitting in the back. Was he sitting by himself at that place? Was it a packed flight? It wasn't a packed flight. There wasn't very many people in there. I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say there was 32 or 33 passengers on the plane. Uh, so there wasn't very many people on. Uh, that's unbelievable. Imagine sitting next to the guy with the bomb. You're like, oh, and, and I would dude. Ass- and I would assume it's busy. It's the day before Thanksgiving. I'd, I'd assume it's a packed flight. I don't know. That, that's a great question. Is that the day? Do people fly I, a lot? I, on I them? know it's busy now because I, I was looking for flights. You know, last yeah, they're expensive during day. the holidays. Yeah. Oh, really? Like the day before. Yeah. I think the day yeah, of that, it's easy, but the day before. I've thought about that several times. The fact that the plane wasn't packed, but. Portland to Seattle, it's a three-hour drive. Oh, and yeah. In 71, maybe people thought, you know, I'm not going to spend the $20 a ticket to fly. I'll just drive. So maybe that's why that flight wasn't packed. Now they call that flight the Antifa flight. That's where Antifa goes back and forth <laughs> from Portland to <laughs> Seattle left and right. Probably. You know what I'm talking about? So, okay, so so this happens um man this is great dude this is great so he uh so what do we know about cooper and his knowledge of this plane that's very interesting because he knew way more about the plane than the pilots or the airport itself 
So when they land in Seattle, he gets his 200 grand, he gets his four parachutes that he asked for, and then he had some very specific flight instructions for the pilots. He wanted the the plane to be flown at no higher than 10,000 feet, to stay below 200 knots, and have the flap set at 15 degrees and the cabin remain unpressurized. He also demanded that the plane take off with the rear stairs down. The Boeing 727 has those aft stairs so it could fly into airports that maybe didn't have shuttle trucks and ramp trucks. And the pilots were freaked out by this. They didn't know, first of all, if the plane could fly with the stairs down at all. So they call into the air traffic controller. They don't know. They had to call Boeing. Boeing said, yes, it is possible for this plane to fly with the rear stairs down. Um, But then the pilots refused to take off with the rear stairs down. They said it was just too dangerous with the plane being full of fuel. Cooper said, I'm not going to argue with this about argue with you about this. I'll just lower them once we get in the air. Oh my. So they, so that has to tell you something about it. I mean, this is not the internet days, right? There's no internet where you could download a bunch of PDFs and there's some idiot out there who's like, check out my YouTube channel. We talk about stairs and planes and, you know, and it's some guy, he's got like a thousand views and he's able to show you that a plane could fly uh, with the stairs down. Now, this has to be an older plane because when I'm on the plane, wasn't he smoking on the plane as well? Yeah, but that's, oh, yeah. that's how older that was. That's well, how that's older that was. That's even more hilarious because I used to fly back then. You know, I, I'm a little a couple days older than you guys, and I used to fly. And they had a smoking section, and the smoking <laughs> section was just three rows at the front, <laughs> and there was no there was no wall or door or vent. They don't even have a mask. They didn't have nothing, dude. It was just dude smoking up front <laughs> and people in the back just dealing with it. And that was the smoking section. But I'm trying to think about, have you seen pictures of this plane? And how would he get to these stairs? So on this particular type of plane, I think there's a the Boeing 727 and then another DC, something else. I can't remember that one. But... It had aft stairs that could be lowered from the inside so passengers could board and deplane straight from the runway. You don't need a ramp truck. You don't need anything. It's just a set of stairs that lowers from the back of the plane. All right, guys, listen to this real quick. I got a message for you. And listen, dude, as we know, truth is dangerous. And this is some of the most dangerous information you're ever going to get, okay? it's not the, the real conspiracy isn't Trump versus Biden, Russian collusion, impeachment, riots to distract you from truth. Uh-uh. The real, the real conspiracy is, is the real truth. You want it? And that is underwear from sheath underwear. Oh, yeah, underwear, baby. It is the freedom for you and your balls, gentlemen, okay? No longer no longer do you got to have your balls sticking to your leg like a lizard person, okay? Uh-uh. Sheaf has a pouch for your boys, and it's going to get extra trusser up in this bitch, okay? There's no way that human beings in 2020 should have balls sticking to their legs, okay? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm high and tight. I still wear the underwear, okay? It is comfortable. It's as it's comfortable as any of this other stuff made by obviously the black nobility okay black nobility underwear garbage 
Okay, sheath underwear, real deal, freedom fighting stuff. Okay, if your lady loves conspiracies, then she's gonna love the fact that your nutsack is being taken care of. Okay, take in care of. All right, this it's gonna be hot out there in the summer, man, and your underwear is basically to keep your balls cooler. Okay, this prevents skin on skin contact, keeps you cooled down stairs while you're ready for the bedroom, and you. you we throw a little I should do a combo Bluetooth sheaf underwear action right there and now you're ready to go we'll call that the Stargate Zone okay you want to get in the Stargate Zone a little sheath underwear a little Bluetooth there you go so this is what's going to happen it's amazing underwear I love it it's made by a bunch of military ex-military freedom fighters okay and this is what they want you to know they believe in their products so much that they have a hundred back hundred percent Money back guarantee on your first pair. So support the company because they support us and they support underwear and they support you. Just go to sheathunderwear.com and support your balls and you will love it. Use the promo code TINFOIL and save 20% off. That's right. Go to, go to sheath, S-H-E-A-T-H-U-N-D-E-R-W-E-A-R.com and use the promo code tinfoil to get 20% off this perfect Christmas gift. Now back to the show. But is it the the, the stairwell in the back? It's like, you, you know, in like a Learjet. Southwest, right? But it's like, no, it's like all the way in the back towards the tail, right? The tail bottom, the tail comes down, and then you Correct. walk out that way. Oh, south. like a cargo jet. Yeah, okay. is that what you're talking Like a cargo. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, well, you don't see right. that anymore. No, no, you don't. No, just in cargo jets, yeah. Like UPS. And yeah, but like military shit. I've military. flown in those because I've been in Combat doing comedy, but I've been there, okay, and I've seen shit. <laughs> I like how he All right, that. I've been there and I've seen some shit, okay. But- Interestingly, they they also installed after he did this, they installed what's called the Cooper Vane on the existing seven twenty sevens, so that when it was in flight, it would turn this lever at the stairs to prevent the stairs from being opened while the plane was flying. That's so interesting. But have you ever looked into how somebody? Like, does this detail give you any understanding of possibly who this might be? That this guy knew more about this plane than the people who are flying the plane, the airports, and any of that? Is it possible? Is there, like, a Boeing something around around this area that someone said, fuck it, man, let's live a little life. I'm tired of drawing planes. Yeah, well, Boeing, their main facility is in Seattle. Also, the CIA was doing some covert operations in Vietnam around the same time using the 727 to drop cargo and troops and not have it be suspected. It would look like a civilian aircraft. He was in the military. He could have been in the military. Ah, the Mm. plot thickens. It definitely thickens. (laughs) The plot thickens, dude. That is so interesting i really like db cooper and uh, he yeah, might and, be and, somebody who listens to the show or maybe is like his hot granddaughter is i don't know but anyway would he be dead yeah right he would most likely be dead he would be in between i would say 85 and 100 at this point in time i'm sure we have some he's listening age. he's listening I mean that is, he probably voted for Biden too. That's how that's that's the the dead age that voted for Biden. Okay, so um, so where do we go from this? So so he where, let's get the let's get the flight down. So he goes up. He te- they concede. They're like, okay, we'll get into the air. He, does he ask for a ref- uh, a refill? Does he ask for the gas to be? Um, 
the plane to be refueled? Uh, yes and no. So when he lands in Seattle, he said, before we land in Seattle, I want my $200,000 and four parachutes. Two front chutes and two back chutes was the terminology he used at the time. He gets everything he asks for. They land in Seattle. The money is brought on the plane. He lets the passengers off the plane. And then he gives his flight instructions to the flight crew. They tell him he, w- he wants to go to Mexico City. They tell him under the conditions he asked for, the plane won't have enough fuel to make it to Mexico City. They need to stop and refuel somewhere. They discussed like two or three different places and agreed they would stop in Reno to refuel on the way. That's where I would stop. There's nothing but shady ass people in Reno. Wait, was there any discussion of uh, like a law enforcement maneuver going? I mean, like like taking this guy out. You know, I mean, this seems like something that just would never happen today. There was, but the airline wanted to give him whatever he wanted because they were concerned about their plane. The two hundred thousand dollars is less than the value of that plane. How much so, does it run for? I mean, I have no I mean, ballpark. Dude, I have they no have ballpark. to be millions, two hundred million, maybe a hundred million dollars for a plane like that. I mean, it's kind of so. crazy. No, dude. yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of what? Okay, so all four of us are on that plane. <laughs> We're far enough back. We're at least a couple rows from DB Cooper. I, I got your answer. Okay, uh, it says for the Boeing seven twenty seven four point two five million initially. So. Uh, that's 1972 prices, and then or initially, and then by 72 it was 8.5 million. So, and that's 8.5 uh, in in in, eight, in yeah. the 80s. It or keeps seven, going up, and like 82, the, it was 22 million. So they keep going up. And what year did he do this? Sorry about that. He did it in 71. 71. So it would have been about 8.5 million around. 8.5 that time. in, but inflation today, no, what no, would that be that, like? That money, yeah, it'd be it'd be like it'd be like 42 and a half million or something. Damn, Damn, dude. So, yeah, if you got 200, yeah, give them, just go through the couch at Boeing, find a fucking couple <laughs> bucks, send it to them, right? Yeah, we got to say, this is back when airlines used to make money, you know? Yeah. Well, they still make money. Oh, they're dude. making bank. Come yeah. on. They, they, Johnny. Not right now. I'm you haven't sure. flown lately. Johnny, they're, they're charging you for the everything. They are working, they have think tanks right now. Figuring out if it's ethical to charge for no, air. Think about all the Can I charge you for air? Think about all the airlines that have gone fee out of business. To what? Think about all the airliners going out of business. Where? TWA, <laughs> Northwest. I mean, there's a bunch of them that have gone out of business. Okay, man. I just think like they 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 raise their prices, and then when oil dropped, they kept them at that 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 mm-hmm. thing. So so real quick, the four of I mean, people are going to yell and scream at me. I can already tell. Uh, four of us are on the plane. Uh, we're far enough back. We can see DB Cooper. What do you guys say to him? Are you like you asshole? Are you like do it? You can do it. Dad. Wait, if I'm on the plane, yeah, we're Tony's like freaking far out. enough. He's he's in the back. We're, he's in seat twenty eight. We're all in seat twenty six because we just got done doing a show. I get. I mean, this is hard Darren's to ask. House, it's right? hard to ask us because we've all witnessed nine eleven. You know, we're not like. Is I mean, this guy to me, is once oh, I'm off the plane. It's not hard to ask me at all. What would you I have, say? I've fantasized about this a million <laughs> times. <laughs> I would. I would say to him, "You're going to get away with this, dude." <laughs> You just trust he's doing what he says he is, though, right? That he doesn't want to just plow the plane into the fucking space needle or something? 
Oh, no, in my scenario, I've already traveled back in time to sit next to him. Oh, got it. Oh, but, okay. dude, Johnny, I'm saying we're on the plane, and they're letting us off. Oh, yeah, once I'm oh, off the plane. Oh, oh, they're gotcha. letting us off oh, yeah, at like, that point. I'd probably give him a high five, yeah. I, Godspeed, like, Dude, brother. you can do this. Godspeed. You can do this. <laughs> you the passengers of the plane did not know they were being hijacked until they got off the plane in Seattle. Oh, man. Oh, slick. How many times would you use that story to get laid, by the way? I was on that D.B. Cooper flight. I could have stopped him, but I didn't want to. <laughs> right? So we got that. So the plane, the, the, the passengers get off. We take off. What happens now? We, we're in the air. What's going on? The only, he has all the passengers off the plane. He left one flight attendant back there to help him with anything he might need. Her name was <sighs> Tina Mucklow. Were they Rochambeauing on who who had to stay? Yeah, I'm gonna need peanuts during this flight. I mean, my God. No, okay, you D cup, D cup stay in, D cup stay in. I believe what happened was the original flight attendant got the note from him, Florence Schaffner, and I believe she kind of went into a panic. So the other flight attendant, Tina, stepped in since Florence was kind of losing it. I bet you Tina popped the Vicodin. Was like I got I got fucking numb out on this shit. Deal with this real quick, and went back and talked to DB Cooper. She they got rid of everybody. They're off. We're taking off. So it's like what two pilots, uh, an attendant, and DB Cooper all the way in the back. Correct. Yep. You have the flight crew in the cockpit and just Tina and DB in the back. Plane takes off. Uh, he asks her to go into the front of the plane. She showed him real quickly how to lower the rear stairs. She goes into the front of the plane. She turns around and sees him tying the money bag to himself and putting the parachute on. Does he check the parachutes by any chance? Sorry, because I would check the parachutes. That's a great question. So he's given four parachutes, two front chutes and two back chutes, so two primaries and two reserves. He's given a modern sport chute, modern for 1971, and then an older military-style chute. He chooses the military-style chute over the more modern civilian one. And a lot of people will speculate that that proves he didn't know what he was doing or it proves he was in the military. Uh, And people have speculated that the newer chute would have been the better choice, but I've also heard people say that it wouldn't have survived that opening. So what we do know is he did choose the military-style chute. uh, Could you explain why he would not have survived the opening? On the more modern, it was a Paracommander or Sky Commander, I believe the other shoot was. But I've heard people say that jump that shoot was never designed to jump out of a jet with. And it's possible if he would have jumped with that shoot and, and opened too early, it would have shredded the parachute. And, dude, if you're a guy that's been doing, like you said, this has been done in the military, sneak attacks, and this dude... Had jumped, been, let's just say, possibly he had been a guy who jumped out during that time. He knew how to use a, a parachute, and he knew, I've y- used this parachute before. It works. Yeah, Tina Mucklow commented that it looked like when he was putting the parachute on that he had done it many times before. And you have to think, if you're going to make your very first parachute jump, is it going to be in the dark, at, in the rain, into the woods? Mm-hmm. Probably not. That's so interesting. So we're, we're in the air. Tina showed him around. 
oh, this is where you're going to do this, this is where you're going to do that. He obviously already knows all that stuff. He's tied the, the money to him. He's picked his backpack. Where are we in this flight by now? Do you know, around right now, right now it's about 8 p.m., and the pilots notice the rear door open. They get the light for the rear door coming on. And then in between 8.11 and 8.13, depending on which transcript and which flight account you read, there is a pressure bump in the cabin that even caused the pilots to have to make some sort of corrective action. They marked this point um, in the flight path thinking that could be where he jumped. And so what they believe caused that pressure bump is the rear stairs bouncing back up after Cooper jumped off the back. Oh! And to prove this theory, they actually took the exact same plane, flew it over the Pacific Ocean, and pushed a 200-pound weight off the back while flying at the same altitude and speed to see if if it would duplicate that pressure bump they encountered, and it did. Have people uh, attempted to reproduce the jump conditions? Like, has anybody jumped under the similar conditions to this? Certainly, but no. But I mean, not like, for fun. I like, you, but I mean, like, I mean, uh, like uh, for for these reasons, I like to, to to kind of test what Cooper did. Nobody's tried tried like uh, under control conditions to reproduce the jump. I, I'm not sure if anyone has in the same area. Okay. Um, I've talked to I had a gentleman on my show's name Matt Wamadu. And he was a U.S. Navy SEAL. And I talked to him a lot about parachuting in bad conditions. He was also a smoke jumper, by the way. What's a smoke jumper? Oh, cool. uh, smoke jumpers jump out of planes to fight fires. Oh, damn. Whoa. This guy lives dangerously. That's wild. There's he some certainly people- did. And, damn. And, and he told me I thought it was interesting that if he was planning this, he would want to land in the water and not in trees. Because if you land in trees at night, you can't see to get yourself down. Huh. Interesting. Oh, that. Interesting, dude. But so- then I've talked to sport parachutists who have had 50 years of parachuting experience, and they always say, I would never land in the water. Never. So. Well, the guy who said he would, was, you said he was a SEAL, right? Correct. Okay. So that kind of makes some sense. Those guys are a little more comfortable. I have a. So. I mean, does he obviously doesn't jump with the bomb with them, right? Did he even have one? Was it a? Uh, yeah, did, he did leave we it ever on the... find out if they actually had? If yeah. he actually had a bomb. The only evidence left on the plane when the plane lands in Reno is his black clip-on tie. No bomb, no briefcase. He asked for his notes back that he wrote to the stewardess and the pilots. Oh, slick. Uh, he did. He smoked eight Raleigh cigarettes I'm... while on the flight. But the FBI threw them away. That's unbelievable. That is un. Why? I mean, I guess back then you're like, you know, it's not like there's going to be some kind of future technology where we can. Yeah, but we, dude, even- we have all the FBI documents now. They've all been released since the case is suspended. And there's a, a document that somebody else pointed out to me, a gentleman by the name of Bill Rollins. And the document says, examine these cigarette butts for evidence. And if you don't find any, throw them away. Guys, I want to talk to you about the war. The war for your health, the war for your mind. Right now, pharmaceutical companies are trying to lock everything down, okay? To turn this country into a giant army of drug-addicted zombies. We got to push back. 
We got it. So join me, Johnny, Xavier Guerrero, and our good friends at CBD Line as they fight back with alternative options. Okay? If you're sore, you're hurting, you got anxiety, CBD is where it's at, and CBD line is the king of it. How do I know that? Because Joey Diaz loves them. He hits me up. He tells me, hey, dog, you got to check out these guys at CBD line. They want to work with you. They like you. I use it. I love them, dog. Got to go. Okay, I got to kill a hooker. All right, I'll be back. (laughs) But CBD line doesn't kill hookers. CBD line actually helps the prostitutes because you know what? It's capitalism and they believe in capitalism okay cbd lion was founded by professionals in a medical and recreational cannabis space okay so they have history in doing this all right their experience they know how to squeeze the maximum effectiveness out of each cbd product their focus on quality and honesty is transparent which can be seen in their third party test results of each batch okay if you're sore, you got some soreness, you got some leg soreness, some muscle soreness, some back soreness, throw a little CBD on it. It's great, man, if you're working out or you're not working out, you know? Smoke a little flour, then numb out your body with a little CBD, make you feel better. Johnny loves it, right? Uh, my girlfriend especially loves it. <laughs> she does. I'm not even joking. Well, thank you, Johnny's uh, mysterious girlfriend. You know the best part, That's been on this show about mysteries. <laughs> she's been hitting me up for a little more uh, CBD. Oh, oh, really, Johnny? Is that a, yeah. Why don't you ever call me and I'll talk to some people? <laughs> I'd like to get to know her, Johnny. Okay? So listen. Easy. For all, I mean, get the noise. Come on, dude. For for all of our listeners, CBD Line has a generous 20% off code for you. Go to CBDLine.com. That's CBD like the line, okay, and .com and enter the code, coupon code, TINFOIL. The code does not expire and we could, and can be used for here to infinity, all right? So whether you're in pain or looking to calm down the anxiety, erase some stress, or live a healthier life, CBD it has great potential. As a, It's a great potential alternative for you to look into. So go to CBD Lion and use the promo code TINFOIL and you'll get 20% off your magic CBD. Enjoy the show. So this is 71. Was there anything like DNA back then? Probably not. Why would you throw them away? I just don't get like, dude, hold on to it. You never know. Just think if they'd held on to that, they could test it today. But they, but then might not have survived. Yeah. Or, or they might not survive. Just like the Golden State Killer. We didn't have his DNA. We got a family member's DNA and it led us to him. And that was part of Pat Oswald's wife, right? Yeah, what about, the, what about the clip-on? Is that still, is that Yeah, why around? would you take the, the clip-on on? Dude, you, dude, because he's cocky, and he's like, this is my note. This is my well, No, you don't want it flying in your face while you're, you know. Dude, That's a point. great point, good too, point, Johnny. Johnny. Good thought. Good thought. Is that is that still around, the clip-on? Is that in evidence? Can you buy the that in auction? The is still around. It's been examined for evidence uh, real thoroughly twice in recent years, both times by a gentleman named Tom K., who has pretty much done all the forensic work on this case um, just for fun. He doesn't work for the FBI or anything like that. But they found a lot of weird stuff on the tie when they put it under an electron microscope. There were a bunch of odd um, odd metal combinations. There was titanium on the tie, kind of pressed against steel, and some rare earth 
minerals that would have only been used in the 70s in like making radar and uh, CRT screens and things like that. So it's another one of those things with the Cooper case that it should lead you somewhere, but it just never does. So so this stuff that they find found on this tie, is this associated with a particular industry at all? Well, the one thing that you could most likely track down to a particular industry is the titanium because they found pure titanium on his tie. And in the United States, there just wasn't many titanium manufacturing facilities, especially pure titanium. And, you know, people have theorized, well, what about the Boeing supersonic transport? But that was kind of using more alloyed titanium at the time. There's like a RMI metals and textronics in Portland. There's really only a handful of companies that people have theorized those particles could have come from in 1971. But even if you have all the company yearbooks from that era, what are you supposed to do? Match a picture to the sketch? Or you could just see, did anyone suddenly quit? (laughs) Did anyone, DB jumps, did anyone have anybody who just suddenly didn't show up to work anymore? No, but you would... Yeah. Titanium, can I throw this out? Anybody? Wolverine, is it possible? <laughs> Wolverine jumped out? Adamantium, uh, not titanium. Sorry. Oh, I thought it was titanium, yeah. No, it's adamantium. Oh, I wish you would have told me that John before I said one. that. I trust John I wish you would have said that before that. So, um, is there... Was so, the money... Did it have serial numbers on it, by any chance? Did it he, did. They The money, weirdly, was already stored at Seafirst Bank to be used for ransom. They had $250,000 sitting there in case there was some sort of ransom situation. Interesting. Interesting. So so they already had the bills marked and everything. They had all the serial numbers for the bills. But it's again, it's 1971, so they don't have the internet to help us. So they distributed a printed list of 10,000 serial numbers to banks, casinos, horse tracks, anything in the area to see if any of these bills would pop up in circulation and nothing ever did. Unbelievable. The only money money found was found in 1980. An eight-year-old boy found about 5,800 bucks on a beach in Vancouver, Washington, about 30, 20, 30 miles from where Cooper should have landed. Mm. Is that what this... uh Teen bar money is that? Is that teen? Yeah, Tina Bar. It's 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 private property, but the landowners back in the day used to let people go there for like a dollar and then hang out on the beach all day. Oh, what I'm does that sure. suggest to you that that? Because I mean, I assume if you're stealing two hundred thousand dollars, you probably wouldn't leave, you know, more than five thousand dollars just on the beach. Around. Yeah. So does that suggest to you maybe that he didn't survive? What, what, I mean, what do people think to make make of that? No one has any idea the Tina Bar money. It just doesn't make any sense at all. So it's far from the flight path. If you assume that waterways took it to where it was, that doesn't work either because the waterways don't go that direction. Yeah. But a crazy conspiracy theory here. And we're all about that here. to do the show for that. <laughs> When Tina Mucklow brings the money onto the plane for Cooper, 
He opens the bag. He starts looking at it. And she said he was kind of excited to see the money. And she says to him, wow, that's a lot of money. And he grabs a couple of bundles and hands it to her. Tipped her. And she said, I'm sorry, I can't accept gratuity. And (laughs) that's really what she said. And so he puts the money back in the bag. Now, is the money found at Tina Barr a representation of the exact money Cooper tried to hand to Tina Mucklow? We're saying she took it? And And lying? lying She She did not take the money. But is this some sort of symbolism from Cooper? Another interesting thing about the Tina Barr money find is Tom K again uh, did some research on some of those bills that were found there, and he found a strain of diatoms on the bills that. Okay, I'm not an expert on diatoms, so don't ask me specific diatom questions. But it's like some sort of water algae thing, and he found a specific strain on those bills that only grows in the spring and summertime. Why is that important? Because the money should have ended up in the Columbia around the time of the hijacking, right? Yeah. If it doesn't end up in the water until six or eight months before it's found, where was the money for eight and a half years? So it at least suggests that he moved some after, after landing, right? I mean, wouldn't yeah. that suggest to you that he moved? I'm glad you're here, Johnny. Also, when the boy finds the money, it's still in its bundles with rubber bands on it. When they pick up the money, the money is badly deteriorated. And then the, but the rubber bands are still on, and then they fall apart. So, back to Tom K., he did a bunch of tests with the exact same rubber bands. How long do they last outside? And the answer was not very long at all. So it, it, the money is so puzzling. Nobody has a good answer for how it got there. Why just that much money? Why no else? No, I know other money was found. That's and why that spot? Crazy, dude. That's fascinating. What if the kid's in on it? Well, Did he keep there the is money? kind of a theory about the kid's family being in on it. Um, Tom Colbert wrote a book about Robert Rackstraw. And in that book, he tells this story about he's at some sort of a party and says, you see that hippie couple over there? They're going to find a bunch of money on the beach here soon. It's D.B. Cooper's money. What? But... Um, that's Tom Colbert's story. Oh my okay. god! Let's say let's say he died and he left the money, and I wanted to go find it in the forest. Would it still be there if it was reasonable? Would it be I like mean, now? No, it's probably deteriorated. It would be deteriorated. The money, the money right? would have disintegrated by yeah, now. Yeah, by now, right? But don't tell him that. Let him go. Let's see how it goes. Well, uh, what you could find is if Cooper just augured into the ground, like some people say. You should be able to find possibly a skeleton, the frame for his parachute, the, his briefcase that potentially had a bomb in it. I mean, there would be a find. If he augured into the ground, there'd be something, even 50 years later. Well, let me ask you something. So he jumps. Do you think that's part of his original plan is to jump at that moment? or do, Because he asked for Mexico City. Is that just uh, some weird kind of uh, oh shift focus? So, oh, it's a smoke screen. Oh, he wanted to go to Mexico City. 
But if he knew this plane so well, he would know it couldn't make it to Mexico City. Is he jumping there because he wants to, or that was always the plan, or he felt that he had to? I, I really feel like he had this thing planned all along. It just seems so well worked out. I, I really think he, he wanted to jump pretty quick. That's why he asked for the stairs to be down on takeoff. Um, yeah. I, I don't think he ever had any intention of going any farther than Oregon or Washington. So you so you so you started the show because the people were talking about it in your in your or in your, in where you grew up or why did you decide to start the show? I decided to start the show because I wasn't hearing what I wanted to hear. Every DB Cooper, every show that did a DB Cooper episode did it exactly the same. They have two or three hosts Sorry. discussing the DB Cooper case. Then they list three or four suspects. Then they decide which one of the suspects they believe it was. And they do this in 45 minutes. I've read like 25 books on this thing. I'm reading forums every single day about this case. That kind of show just does not do it for me. So I I wanted long form, in-depth interviews with the people who actually know about this, with the people who are actually researching it. And so that's why I created the show. I wanted, I wanted to talk to Bruce Smith. I wanted to talk to Robert Blevins. I wanted to talk to uh, all these Cooper researchers and not just hear what they had to say, but kind of understand how they think. You, you named a couple people right there. Have you already talked about them? I feel like I, I haven't heard those names yet, but I'm also a little cuckoo crazy. So did you already talk about Were those the pilots? No, those are, are fellow D.B. Cooper researchers. The name of the show is called The Cooper Vortex, a name I did not come up with. I believe Mark Metzler came up with it. But it's because when people tend to start looking into this real seriously, they can't escape and end up in it for years and years. The aforementioned Tom Kay, who's done all this forensic work, he told me 10 years ago he thought it would be something fun to do for a few months and didn't imagine that it would take up this much of his life. God dang, dude. I, just uh, perusing the Wikipedia here, uh, getting back to kind of the bumbling of the FBI, I'm reading here that in 2007 they were able to get a partial DNA profile, but then they lost uh, the material with oh, his DNA. Is that, oh. is that right? What a coincidence. I, I, the partial DNA profile, no one's really certain exactly what that means. In the past, they said they could use it to rule out people, but not necessarily prove it was someone. And then since then, they sort of backed away from that, um, and they closed the case in 2016. So the, the partial DNA profile, I'm not really sure about that at all. It, we're not even sure if it's Cooper's. So uh, yeah, of course. That, is there that's, any, that's not even his name. We're assuming he gave a right. fake name, right? Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. We're looking for a D.B. Cooper, and his real name is Stan Lee or something <laughs> like that. Who knows? Um, okay, here's an, here's another great conspiracy angle. I uh, did. We're so, all about that action. There is a Franco-Belgian comic book mm-hmm. called Dan Cooper. It's off. not printed in the United States. It was available in Canada. It was available, uh, translated into Spanish as well. Got some distribution in, in Mexico, maybe Central America. But... The hero of the Dan Cooper comic book is a daredevil royal 
Canadian Air Force fighter pilot who does all the things that essentially D.B. Cooper did. There's a an episode of the comic book where he jumps out of a commercial plane that's blowing up. Um, there's one where he diffuses a bomb on a commercial plane. The fuck? And the comic predates the crime. So if you're going to commit a crime and you're going to give an alias, Sam, you're not going to say your name's Sam. You're just going to pick some random name. He's going to pick my right. name. What are the odds that you would land on the exact random name of a comic book superhero that does the same thing that you're about to do? I think that's a wonderful choice. So either he's Mexican, right. Canadian, or French. He could be Canadian-French, for sure. Well, here's the problem with that. When looking for D.B. Cooper, you're talking about somebody who is, let's say, 5'9 to six foot one. They're at, let's say, 40 to 55. What makes you 180 say that? pounds, drinks bourbon, and smokes cigarettes. In 1971... What percentage of dudes ages 40 to 55 served in the military at some point in their life, smoked cigarettes, and drank bourbon? It's like 60%. Yeah. So you say we've narrowed it down. We've narrowed it down to 60% of <laughs> yeah. middle-aged dudes in 1971. That's a start. I for sure think he was in the military and deployed in France, saw the comic book, and said, when I come back to the States, I know how to handle it. I'm not it. against that. Or it could be, if you want to commit a crime, you go to another country, commit the crime, go back to your old country. And, I mean, you're right next to Seattle, right? But, but he didn't have an accent or anything, right, this guy? No, they said no discernible accent. Another thing that I think is so important in the D.B. Cooper story is the stewardesses said that he was calm, cool, and collected the whole time. In the interview immediately after the skyjacking, Tina Mucklow says that he was kind, polite, courteous, and says that he got impatient a few times but was never rude or unfriendly. That sounds Dude, Canadian to me. <laughs> what kind of a description of a skyjacker is that? And also, you know, this is a bold crime. It's one that you're not likely to get away with. So the idea that this guy is just sitting back there smoking cigarettes and drinking bourbon with not a care in the world, I think says so- really says something about this guy. It sounds like, honestly, it sounds like Walter White, you know, one of these guys that's gotten a terminal diagnosis and it's just yeah, like, like, I'm going for it now. Yeah. yeah. I there, totally there's agree a, with that. a Walter White suspect, actually. Hold on. Let's get in. Okay. So, so I have a couple things that a couple notes you sent. Did you already cover the recent DNA discovery? I know you said something earlier. Is that the DNA you were talking about? Is there another DNA? No, there's another okay. DNA discovery. So the History Channel just aired this special on Friday. I watched it. I was like, that's crazy. We're doing an episode on it. And then they watch it. Now, real quick before we get to that, what's your thoughts on history, the History Channel? Because you know, there's a lot of people like we've had people on the show that, and they've said some outlandish shit and then everyone's like, I don't trust them. They're on the History Channel. Now, obviously, we talk to conspiracy theorists. What are your whole thoughts on all that? As a guy who's like really passionate about the topic, do you feel like they did justice to what you find, what your passion? Yeah, I think they did. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a TV show, so they have to make it entertaining, but you know, I'm good friends with Eric Eulis, so I've known about that show for a long time, and I was really excited for him 
to see that show come out. You know, I, I loved it. Anything D.B. Cooper, I'm all about it. I loved it, man. I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. Like, History Channel is like the only thing on TV I could watch because it's... Oh, it's- but the, the DNA, in that episode, they announced that they had a DNA profile of Cooper. Oh, my God. For, that they pulled from the tie. Well, it turns out that that DNA actually belonged to Tom K., huh. who had huh. looked at the tie years earlier, so... Uh, That's great. They refer to as the Cooper curse strikes us again. Such management of fucking forensic. Like, how are you? Like, how does? Hey, you man, it touching makes gloves? Hey, well, dude, I mean, this guy said uh, he's doing out. The guy that they got the DNA from is a guy who's been doing it out of his own passion. This isn't CSI where everybody's. Where like smoke show tens are walking around in hazmat well, suits, fucking. No, I go to Seven Eleven. The Seven Elevens guy got a fucking gloves and a mask. Well, this is obviously was before uh, Corona, bro. Also, be- this tie has been passed around like yeah, yeah. like Taylor Swift. I mean, yeah. everybody's at it. <laughs> they call DNA this, on this. Thing. They, they well, call this tie. Yeah, they call this tie uh, the Kamel Harris of uh, <laughs> forensic uh, evidence. <laughs> <laughs> um. Ah. Uh, so here's an interesting thing. Um. There's a couple scenarios. Let's get into it. Uh, the scenario I find very interesting that Cooper never existed and that the uh, crew is all in it. Is that possible? Ooh. No. I absolutely hate that theory. Okay, my bad. Uh, it's, it's my <laughs> goal to tell everyone there's no truth to that. One of the things that frustrates me having spent so much time on this case is that I have people tell me all the time, Oh, man, I bet he just hid on the plane and walked out of the airport in Reno. No big deal. Or I bet Cooper never existed and the flight crew was in on it. There is no evidence to support any of that. When the plane lands in Reno, the FBI is waiting there and they immediately search the plane with dogs. Also, how much spare room is there on an airplane? There isn't a bunch of places to hide shit. They're using all of the available space in the aircraft. So the idea that he never jumped is ridiculous. The idea that he never existed is also ridiculous. The ticket agent saw him. There was a gentleman before they moved. When Cooper says, you know, I have a bomb, he asks them to move a couple of the passengers forward so you can kind of be alone in the back. Hold on, hold on. This is before or after he said he had a bomb. This is after he says he has oh, a bomb. Oh, thank God. Imagine, I'd be like, hey, dude, get these people out of my Who are you? Just <laughs> shut up and move them. <laughs> so, what? I'm, I'm sorry. I totally lost my place there. Uh, now I'm going to take a beating on that one. Okay. So, uh, there was, you're saying it's on. It's not possible. Agents saw them. Uh, he moved people from the back. No forward. space to hide. Yeah, no, no space, space to no, hide. Thank you. Also, the, the the idea that the crew was in on it. There's no evidence to support that, and they continued to work for the airline for a while. So, and the FBI investigated them. You have to think that the FBI looked at the flight crew more than anyone else in the beginning because they had no leads. They had nowhere to go. So they did look at the flight crew. And I heard from one of the stewardesses, well, I actually heard this secondhand, but one of the stewardesses' ex-husbands said that the plane had been, not the plane, I'm sorry, that they had been followed by the FBI for a while after the hijacking. Oh, yeah, to see if they were going to spend the money. So, 
you know, I got in this discussion. This is another thing. I'm not getting into this topic, but I, you know, I had a discussion about 9-11 uh, with a good friend of mine the other day. And, and, and there was some talk about how, uh, you know, some of the videos they show, it's, it's like it's, it's, they're very interesting videos. Some make sense, some don't make sense. Were there, was there no cameras at this time anywhere in the airport? I mean, security cameras existed in, in, in 71. I mean... Are you telling me there's no cameras anywhere, either entering this airport, uh, shooting the lobby, shooting them, the gates, anything? And the good old days. Nope, there wasn't even a metal detector. So it, you had all of these other political hijackings going on at the time. The Cooper one is really, it's really the first for money. There was another kind of super botched one, but that dude ended up, uh, when you said Sneak him a Valium. Another hijacking, the stewardess actually <laughs> did sneak the guy a bunch of Valium into his drink. And the hijacking went from, I need a million dollars, to, I want four cheeseburgers and a head start. <laughs> That's slick. I, so- I believe his name was Paul Sini, if you want to look up that story. But, yeah, that stewardess drugged him, and the, the hijacking took a crazy turn. Oh, well, you know, to everybody thinking about hijacking a plane, do not take the drink they're roofing you okay um yeah but but there are no to answer your question i've never seen any security footage or anything like that there's pictures of the plane when it lands in reno but of course nobody could really get close enough uh cooper had the shades drawn on the plane so we couldn't be seen from the ground unfortunately all we have to go off of is the two sketches of cooper and they look like every single Mm -hmm. guy you know so you mentioned that there was a, uh, a a guy, another hijacking. Were there any co- other copycats that were interesting? The copycat that's most interesting is Richard Floyd McCoy. So he commits a very, very similar skyjacking uh, six months later from Cooper. Ooh. Very similar method, same note. He improved upon a few things from Cooper uh, and then also kind of messed up a few things. He left his ransom notes in the airport. A different stewardess saw the envelope, came back on the plane. Sir, you left this envelope in the in the lobby. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And then he goes into the bathroom to get on a disguise before the plane takes off. And it's taking too long. So the stewardess is like, hey, dude, you got to get out of the bathroom because we're about to take off. And then they notice that he comes out in a weird costume kind of thing. Then he uses a fake hand grenade and an unloaded pistol, demands $500,000. And where he improved upon Cooper's really was he had more specific flight instructions for the flight crew. So he would know exactly where he was in the air. He landed like within two miles of his home with the 500000 and the FBI thought they were going to outsmart him this time by putting trackers in the parachutes. Well, he brought his own parachute on. So when he gets the parachutes from the FBI, he th- just threw them out so that they would go chasing after those parachutes. Uh. Then he jumps at a later time. It gets reported on the news. And uh, I believe it was one of his friends and military buddies turned him in. But another interesting thing about Richard Floyd McCoy is... He was flying a helicopter for the National Guard out of Salt Lake. So 
he gets the call, hey, we need helicopter pilots to look for this hijacker. He was looking for himself, Round flying a helicopter applause. for the National Guard. Round of that applause to him. is awesome. And fuck his it military awesome. friend. Fuck his military friend snitching him out. Yeah, man. And, Come on, dude. He didn't hurt yeah, no his one. military buddy snitched him out. Nobody he, gets it's, hurt. It's possible he may not have been caught. And they find the money in his closet, duffel bag with, it was like $499,970. Oh. He bought lunch for him and his wife on the way home from the skyjacking. Oh, and his wife was waiting for him? Yeah. Oh, my God. And she didn't say nothing? No, that's a ride or die right there. Yeah, that you is Buy me lunch die. and we're cool. So, She's, if you get deep into that story, she is way more than ride or die with him. She could be the brains of that operation. And... She, there, a book gets written about this guy. They theorize it's Cooper because it's so similar. Oh, could have redone she, it. She ends up suing like her own lawyer and the company that wrote the book and the two guys that wrote the book, and she wins. Um, it, there's also like some accusations that she sort of got romantically involved with the FBI agent that ended up killing <laughs> Richard Floyd McCoy after he escapes from prison. Oh, really? I mean, dude, this was a G. Dude, the, the Richard Floyd McCoy story, I don't know why there hasn't been That's... like 10 documentaries made about this guy because it is an insanely wild story. He's Vietnam vet, highly decorated. He's a hero. He's a Mormon. He's a Mormon studying criminal justice at BYU during the hijacking. He's a Sunday school teacher. He's volunteering in the National Guard. I mean, it, it's wild. He escapes from prison once and from jail once and then dies in a shootout with the FBI. Whoa. Blaze of glory, dude. Go out in a blaze of glory, dude. That's a guy who's like, fuck it. I'm going to live and have a little fun. But you know, yeah, and his, his wife, who probably is still alive, uh, has never spoken about any of it. And did she go to jail at all? No, of course no. not. No, no, she won some sort of settlement to prevent the movie rights of this one book from being turned into a movie. So we basically gotta wait till she dies to uh, for this thing to become a movie. Uh, I'm not sure the the book that. It's called The Real D.B. Cooper by Rhodes and Callum. Oh, snaps. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that if that book has aged as well as some of the others. Uh, I mean, you could tell Richard Floyd McCoy's story without that book. Ah, interesting. Which, interesting. What are the chances that that is D.B. Cooper? Do you think there's any possibility he survived the first one said, I'm fuck it, it worked so well, I'm going to go around Do you think he two? survived the jump, D.B. Cooper, and went on to do the second one? I'm not sh- I th- I think DB Cooper survived the jump. Do I think Richard Floyd McCoy was DB Cooper? I don't. Um mostly because of the age. Tina Mucklow sat next to this guy for 5 hours and lit his cigarettes and she pegged him at mid to late 40s. Now you cannot tell me a 25-year-old woman would sit next to a 28-year-old man for 5 hours. And guess his age at mid to late forties. I, I just don't ever believe that. She, well, I mean, I, I would assume she also probably got a chance to see the other guy, right? I mean, she would have. Yeah. Since she they showed pictures of him. The FBI had Richard Floyd McCoy in custody for a while. 
there's two suspects that widely oh, get circulated point, as being Cooper, and that's Rackstraw and McCoy. And both of them are too young. Both of them are way too young. Both of them are in their late 20s at the time of the skyjacking. No, correct me and, if I'm wrong, but oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but you, you're not going to confuse a 27-year-old man for a 47-year-old man. I used to be able to do that. Uh-huh. Uh, there have, there's become a cottage industry of claiming you're D.B. Cooper, right? Uh, aren't there, are, are, are any of the people who have come out and said they are D.B. Cooper, are any, do you find any of those compelling? Some well, of them. I've read anywhere between dozens and 900 people have confessed to co- committing this crime. So you have a wide variety of people claiming to have done it. One of the people that has admitted it themselves that I'm particularly interested in is a gentleman by the name of Wolfgang Gossett, who, are you familiar with Clyde Lewis? Uh, Clyde the Glide, the... <laughs> no, 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 I'm not okay. Clyde Lewis. Well, uh, he, he hosts a show called Ground Zero Radio or something like that, but... Oh, I do know Clyde Lewis. I, I've never uh, done his show or had him on, but I know who you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Clyde Lewis, yeah, I know that show. His mentor was a guy by the name of Wolfgang Gossett, who was a paranormal investigator. He was a priest. He was Mormon at some point in time. He performed exorcisms. Uh, He had a a radio show in Utah about ghosts and conspiracy theories. This guy confessed to being D.B. Cooper to multiple people, uh, including his two sons, and at least two different lawyers. Why he felt the need to confess to lawyers, I'm not exactly sure. That's so interesting, dude. It's like, I got something to tell you. I'm D.B. Cooper. What are you saying on your yeah. deathbed, Sam? Are you making some shit up? No. I, no? I, I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. After listening to uh, these guys, first of all, they have way cooler names than I do. Maybe not my kids, but may, but definitely. like You can't apparently rob trains or planes or anything with a regular name you have to have a cool three three name name you have sam yeah but that's not that's not cool you gotta have kind of a cool ass name okay all right well when i rob the bank know that you guys convinced me to do it okay um Uh, so that's interesting, dude. I mean, this guy. This guy's robbing planes, <laughs> doing fucking exorcisms. I mean, like, that is living life right there, right? That is getting bang for your buck right there. Wow. Has Now, you hear that this guy, Wolfgang, says he's the guy. Uh, what about him makes you think he's more credible than most? The age lines up. He was a survivalist. Um. That's about it, really. I mean, all of these suspects, you can only look at, is it is it plausible? Did he have the motive to do it? Did he have the skill to do it? Did he have the opportunity to do it? Like, a lot of those people, a lot of the suspects in this case will match all three of those. And, you know, I've been criticized on my show for having some wild-ass guests on, you know, that say... D.B. Cooper was the Zodiac killer. He also oh, killed Teresa oh. Hallback and, Ooh, let's hear about and John Benet Ramsey. Oh, dude, let's okay. Teresa Hallback. Wow, Whoa. let's hear about that. Do you have what's your information on that? Because I'm I'm all about that action. A gentleman by the name of Ed Edwards. Ed Edwards, which goes into 
uh, is that the guy that that you just said with uh to um to uh raise a mur- what's a uh to what's that show on Netflix to uh something a murderer what's it called making a murder making of a murder yeah that's well that's where- Teresa Hallback that's yeah 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 that. well when you said that then, then I put together Johnny you're a little quicker oh, in that thing than me killed her well that's we before you were on Theo Vaughn was on. And we had a guy who came on who did a whole thing that this Ed Edwards guy probably did it because there are pictures of him in uh, – there's a picture of a guy who fits Ed Edwards in a still picture uh, at the court. And they would think he would go and watch the trial because he's Those the guy who killed. crazy people that do that, that go and like go to the place where you killed someone, go visit it, and just look Arsonists at it. Arsonists do that a lot. Yeah, they watch the fires, for They'll sure. They'll be like, oh, man, did you see this fire? Whoever did must have did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> he's, there, he's there throwing water on it, <laughs> trying to help. Hell, hell of a fire. So yeah. go on. That's a hell of a fire, man. Yeah, Ed Edwards is a super interesting suspect, but I don't, I don't think he's Cooper, but it, it is interesting that you have a couple of these people now that are trying to connect essentially all of the unsolved mysteries into one person. Yeah. So I also had a gentleman on who told me that Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers who escaped from Alcatraz, uh, Frank Morris actually committed the DB Cooper skyjacking. Ooh. Um, do you have any, do you think any, there's any, anything to that? No. <laughs> okay, I here's it's my favorite. Like, I mean, the idea that he escapes from Alcatraz and then years later somehow gets to Portland and hijacks that plane. I just yeah, man. When you escape, you kind of go underground. Yeah, and you just do nothing, right? Okay, here's the, here's the name of some some people you think. Uh, you already went over Wolfgang. What about the? And you know we're we're pro transgender on this conspiracy show. We're, we're we have a lot of trans who listen to. Holla holla at your boy girl. Okay, um, tra- transgender suspect Barbara Dayton. Barb Dayton is probably <laughs> probably my favorite suspect. Not my favorite, like most likely to be DB Cooper, but my favorite because it's the most interesting story. Robert Dayton was the per- first person to have gender reassignment surgery in Washington State in 1969. That's you don't want to be and the then, first person to get yeah, that done. Uh, you want to be, yeah, yeah. be our guinea pig? It's yeah, not, you cheap. Be like the last it's not cheap. He needed the money, dude. Oh, snaps. And he was, he was in the military. He was a merchant marine. He was in the Hells Angels. He was very conflicted because he was torn. Like, you know, I feel like I'm a woman, but I can also be this badass macho dude. Gets the gender reassignment surgery eventually, and then becomes super unfulfilled. It's not what it was living life as a woman. I I just need to prove to myself that I'm still badass. She then dresses back up like a man, commits the skyjacking, essentially throws the money away because it wasn't about the money at all, and goes back to her life as a woman. So she trans trans because she was a woman. And that's a great way to get away. Dude, yeah. So basically she trans-transed herself. Do you she went trans ever- once and then she trans back and then she transed again. Did you think she ever wore the exactly. Hell's Angels vest with the pussy on? That's fucked up. I know they weren't happy They'd about that. They'd probably not be happy about that. <laughs> and if any Hell's Angels hears that, that is Xavier Guerrero saying that. I didn't, I didn't, not I didn't put Sam the vest Tripoli, 
I did not say any of that. I am pro biker here, as we are pro transgender here as well. So yeah, live. I, don't li- I don't like that XG. Yeah, XG. We didn't enjoy that. You might have to take a week off as a, as a thing. But so so we got her. Anybody else's interest? We talked about McCoy, John John List. E John List is a DB Cooper suspect for two reasons. He looks exactly like the sketch. And he disappeared like six weeks before the hijacking. The problem is that he just he didn't have the skill set to do it or anything. You know who John List is, right? No, I do not. Oh, John List is great. As a family man, I really look up to John List. John List murdered his whole family in while they slept and then bounced. And started a new life. Oh, that makes me wow. sad. He, you, he, I did you not see that coming. Story because he wasn't, he wasn't caught for like 25 years. He was caught thanks to America's Most Wanted. And was living like with some new chick in Florida or something. And he had kids with her? No, no kids with her. He, didn't, he killed them. He didn't want them. He fucked up. Yeah. God. And you're a family guy? I am a family man. Oh, Jesus. I hope your family doesn't hear that part of the podcast. <laughs> That's okay. They, they I love Ghost and Ninja. You don't have to ever worry about that. Um, Ted Brand- Brendan? Ted Braden. Ted Braden. Ted Braden would probably be, if I had to rank them, the one who was most likely of all the suspects I know. Really? Yeah, Ted Braden was... Uh, a commando, Green Beret, just an absolute badass in Vietnam. He was doing covert ops. Uh, he had all these free fall and parachute jump experience when really no one else had kind of high altitude, low opening experience. And he goes AWOL from Vietnam. He's caught in the Congo working as a mercenary he gets brought back to the States, Sounds sent like to Fort CIA Dix. Issues. While in Fort Dix, they mysteriously let him out. And I've spoken with one of the um, the MPs at the, that place at the time, and he said it was so suspicious to walk by Braden's cell, and he was smoking a wooden-tipped cigar, was in his full get-up, and was watching the TV. And he said absolutely none of that would have been allowed at the time. So I knew that this, whatever was going on with this guy was well above my pay grade. He gets let out mysteriously and then pretty much vanishes uh, for most of his life. My friend Drew Beeson has been working on kind of putting together where he was and when he was. Because a lot of the special forces guys at the time thought that D.B. Cooper was Ted Braden. Because of how bold and brazen it was, he kind of looks like the sketch. And he he absolutely could have pulled it off and would have been calm during it. Because he's special forces, you know, he's seen shit before. This isn't his first rodeo. Oh, my God. Dude, there's so many suspects. I, uh, well, I recall, and I you'll have to, I hope I give you enough clues here so you can pick up on what I'm talking about. But I remember this, there's some suspect that who, who is still alive or recently dead, possibly, that gets harassed by people investigating uh, the D.B. Cooper thing. Do you know? Does that ring a bell? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, he, people I knew show you were up talking up. about okay. right away. Thank you. You were talking about Robert Rackstraw. So he passed away, I want to say it was December of 19, just last year. 
Um, Thomas Colbert started this investigation into him. He'd already been looked into by the FBI. The, he was arrested for the murder of his stepfather. Jesus. Uh, mid to late 70s, I think. And w- was questioned about being D.B. Cooper then. Um, and, you know, I have to think if the FBI has you in custody, if there is anything that they could do to put this case on you, they would have done it. So there's nothing against Rackstraw. Again, he's one of the two guys that gets pushed a lot that was too young. Rackstraw was like 28 at the time and was sporting a mustache. I got to tell you, dude. Rackstraw's it looks like him, though. life story the is Braden so guy. interesting. The Ted Braden guy does look like him. Dude, yeah. Ted Braden looks just like him. Well, I mean, I mean like, like if you looks- had to pick... Hairline, age... Well, there's a William J. Smith really does a good job looking like the sketch. There's a, a, a side by side of a young Wolfgang Gossett. Looks very similar. Who? Which, which one did you say? Smith? William J. Smith. Oh, this is unbelievable, dude. We could go on forever about that. Dude, I've done like 45 hours on just this topic on my show. Do you have any other podcasts that you do? No, nope, I only do D.V. Cooper. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. And that's, that's William J. Smith? Yeah, William J. Smith. Oh, my God. He looks exactly like him. We should just arrest all three of them. But here's the problem with looking like the sketch. There's two sketches. One was done immediately after. That's sort of the Bing Crosby-looking sketch. Yeah. And then you really had a sketch like that Crosby. was done a year later, which we refer to as the Cary Grant sketch. Which one's and with so, the giant widow's peak? There is, a, well, there's there's really like eight sketches, but it's those main two that you go off of. The Bing Crosby sketch has more of a widow's peak. Yeah, yeah. There's one that is, I, I'm seeing here, it's labeled D.B. Cooper Composite C, and it's a it's a pencil sketch, it looks like. It's, and he looks uh, evil. Yeah, yeah. Is That, that, one's, that is was the done one for that, Unsolved Mysteries. Florence Schaffner okay. redid that. That's the one she, to me that she, looks the most like Ted Braden, by the way. He's, he's kind of got those heavy lines in his face, you know? And Yeah, it does look like Ted Braden. But, I mean, those sketches seem to be so generic. And if you think about what the average middle-aged man looked like in 1971, yeah. they all tended to have the same haircut <laughs> yeah, and dress the, the same. He does look like everybody in Mad Men, basically. Is what yeah. Is. yeah, I mean... Well, the Go guy, find a picture of your grandpa from 1971. He looks exactly like that. That guy Kenneth looks like him too. Kenny Christensen. He's a another suspect that's been widely theorized. He worked for the airline yeah. at the time. He looks like the composite sketch. Oh yeah. There's a weird photograph taken of Kenny Christensen a few years after, where he is wearing a the tie. suit with the briefcase and a money bag. Like, why would you take that picture? And there's a tie. And the tie tie. is the tie that you use. I'm confused. It's the it's used in the when you fly. Seems like the sketches are better to exclude people than to include people, right? Because you could just drive yourself crazy trying to identify. And this is who again? Kenneth. Oh my! I've decided all three of them did it. (laughs) Kenny Christensen. It's another very interesting story. Worked for the airline. For, I want to say, like 10 or 12 years after the hijacking. So uh, that might be tough to do. I'm not certain on that. He also 
seemed to house runaway teen boys in his house, which is oh, sketchy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so, it's not interesting. It's creepy as shit. <laughs> but, but imagine being working at that rest that <laughs> that airline, and every day you're like at the lunchroom, and some new employees like they probably have DB Cooper up if you see this guy, and they're just like. Staring at you, you're like, I know, it's not me. Trust me. I, 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 I've been through this a million fucking times. Wow, dude. This is this was a great episode. Dude, did we miss anything or did we nail it, dude? I think we got it all. I love this, dude. I could talk D.B. Cooper for the rest of my life. By the way, if I ever start a band, it will be called D.B. Cooper. <laughs> That's a great name for a band. I love it. This is There's a couple great. good D.B. Cooper songs out. Who's done oh. them? Who's who's? What's the biggest DB Cooper song? What's the biggest band to do it? Uh, Joshua L. Walker just had an album come out with with a DB Cooper song on it that's really good. But the main DB Cooper song, oh, I'm so embarrassed, I can't remember the guy's name. It's okay, dude, don't be mad. It's all right. Is there, uh, you crushed it. Is you there crushed is there a movie like a good movie made like an actual like? Cinema theater movie by DB. It seems doable. Like you make up a story in, of him. In 1981, they released "The Pursuit of DB Cooper" with Treat Williams and Robert Duvall. Huh. It's terrible. It is <laughs> almost unwatchable. The first three minutes of the movie, DB Cooper jumps out of the airplane. Uh, the next 92 minutes of the plane, he drinks beer in a pickup truck with some chick. Great. Uh, it's not. It's not a great movie. Can you talk quickly about... You know sorry. Well, I, I, I'd like to make one D.B. Cooper recommendation that you guys would love. Okay, now I just have one more... Qu- we both have and one that, more question. And that's D.B. Cooper versus Bigfoot. <laughs> there is no D.B. Cooper content or Bigfoot content. It's just shirtless guys working out. It's... It's quite the movie. Uh, <laughs> that's like a, a sub-genre of films. Eric Roberts is in it. Well, that's but, all I have to say. Get me hooked. <laughs> Johnny, what's your up. question? D.B. Cooper versus Bigfoot. It's just shirtless guys working out. The uh, There's a letter that I'm looking at here that was supposedly from D.B. Cooper uh, sent to the Oregonian. Yeah, I'm sure you know about this. It says, I am right here in Portland, and the $200,000 is for the revolution. What's, what's, <laughs> the, what's the deal with that? Is that just uh, something it's, bogus? It's one of five to seven letters um, that were mailed into newspapers from... D.B. Cooper. Uh, You can't prove that D.B. Cooper mailed any of those. And he asked for his notes back on the plane. Do you think he's going to mail a letter to a newspaper? Nothing credible about any any of those. No no credibility to any of those. Is there anything else like that that we've left out? Is there anything like that, anything else that we've left out, any kind of physical connection to D.B. Cooper that you think is credible that we didn't mention? Like any artifact or remnant of the crime? No, I mean, really, the only thing we know about D.B. Cooper is what happened on the plane. There is zero story before he gets on the plane and zero story after he jumps. I, I read, so well, I also read that they, a couple of years ago, and you can tell me if you find this credible, they found what they think is a placard from the stairs uh, in the forest. Does that, does that ring a bell? It's, it's been heavily debated, and I'd say mostly in towards that placard not being from the same plane. Okay. Uh, I've actually, I personally have seen two different placards huh. that claim to be that one. What about so para- I, what about parachute fragments? I, I know there have been the rumors of those being found. Is that credible? There are. There was a a parachute strap and a piece of foam 
that some couple found, but they were part of like Tom Colbert's team, so I automatically have some suspicion on that Snaps. find. Shots fired. And then there was um, an, a shoot found in Amboy, but they believed it was an old cargo shoot and not a shoot for a human being. Um. So you said there was connection to the Golden State Killer. Did you go into that at all? I feel like is there any the Zodiac Killer? Zodiac Killer. And that... I've had I've had four guests on now that have different theories about Cooper and the Zodiac Killer being the same person. Okay, and what is what general is their their theory? Their general theory is all unsolved crimes were committed by one person. Okay. <laughs> there's, no, there's no uh, actual, like, evidence to support their theory. They're just like, dude, this is just my gut feeling. And you're like, fuck, no, we're I mean, five you, minutes you into this to... podcast, and we got nothing. <laughs> oh, I've been there before. Oh, if, yeah. <laughs> if you look at, like, Ed Edwards, for example. Ed Edwards, there is a lot of really interesting, credible links and suspicion to a number of crimes and he probably has killed more people than he was convicted of. However, I don't think you need to link in crimes where there's just no evidence. There's no evidence. Ed Edwards was DB Cooper. None. Just the fact that he was interested in airplanes. That's not evidence. So, um, do you get any sense that there's, grifters involved in this movement meaning people who are like trying to sell an angle to make a dollar like they contact you because you're like the best podcast uh on this subject do they uh are like oh man i gotta get on this so i could sell this book or anything like that have you ever run into any of that Definitely. I think a lot of the whole conspiracy theory, true crime, unsolved bullshit is that is people trying to make a buck. <laughs> I'm in the room. I'm I in the room. I can hear you. you. I can hear you. you pitch certain angles. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had people on that are trying to sell books that are just nonsensical. But my show, I want to hear what they have to say and I want to hear them defend their thoughts on it. You know, I don't I don't question anyone on my show. I had a guest tell me that uh, Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers killed 25,000 people. And, you know, I just let it roll. I'm not there to question them. I want each episode to be a standalone story. If you want to learn about Richard Floyd McCoy, you know, you can listen to the episode I have with Steve, or if you want to learn about, Ted Braden, you can listen to the episode with Drew Beeson. And so it, I leave it up to the audience to decide who's telling the truth and who's full of shit and just trying to sell a book. Well, dude, that's that's exactly what I do on this show. You know, it's, there's an old saying, give people enough rope, let them hang themselves. So my whole thing um, with this show is like I get people saying some crazy shit. And for me, it's just like, all right, dude. Here's your here here it is your platform. You got a lot of people listening. Don't fake the funk on a nasty dunk dog because people are gonna know. 
And some people get just destroyed and some people get celebrated. I, I, I believe the swarm that listens to the show are going to love your episode. So I really do appreciate you coming on, man. And one more time, do you have a website? I, I tell them about your podcast one more time and your website and uh, anything else you want them to find you on. My podcast is The Cooper Vortex. I do it with my buddy, Russell Colbert. It's an awesome show. It's totally free. Get it wherever you get your podcasts, The Cooper Vortex. We're all, we also have a Twitter page, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. You can find us. What are the, what are the D.B. Cooper groupies come, called? Do they have a, do you have a name for them? For sure, flight attendants. The, the flight, <laughs> we'll call them the flight attendants. Uh, it depends on which camp you're in. Ah. Uh, it's either Cooperites or you're inside the Vortex. I love it. Now, that's where I got that name from for the show. I was just going to call it the D.B. Cooper podcast. But when I started doing the interviews, these people started talking about the Cooper Vortex. And so I was like, oh, shit, I got a name with that. Nice, nice. Well, you did great. Anytime you uh, want to come back on, if you get any new information that drops on you or another subject, uh, another uh, suspect, please let us know, man. We loved it. I've been wanting to do the show forever, and you did not disappoint. And uh, we appreciate it. Final thoughts. If you had to pick somebody on who it was, who would you say? Barb Dayton. But we didn't talk about Barb Dayton. <laughs> we did. That's the transgender one. Oh, yeah. okay. Really? Well, That's the one you think it is? Because it ain't, she didn't No, say. no, I don't <laughs> think it's Barb Dayton. I pick that one because it's the best story. Okay, I like it. All right, man. If we found out tomorrow it was D.B. Cooper, it would be a wild story. That would be the one if I could pick. I want it to be that one. I respect it's so that, wild. dude. I respect that. All right, Darren, you're the best. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, he, he's uh, Darren Sherman, and we appreciate having you on, dude. We'll do it again soon, okay? Take care, brother. Take care. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Darren, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.